to prepare to hear God's Word, let's turn once again to the Trinity Psalter, this time number 371. 371, you can see at the very top of the page, this is categorized as the ascension of Christ. We're going to talk about Christ's ascension this morning. And so we'll sing together 371, all four verses, and let's stand together as we sing.
This morning, God's Word comes to us from the Gospel of John, chapter 17. John 17. We're going to begin our reading at verse 6 of this chapter and then read through the end of the chapter. John 17, beginning at verse 6. What we hear now is God's word. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves." I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they may also be consecrated in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, Even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known, that the love with which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. I invite you to turn to the back of your Trinity Psalter hymnal, not the other book, the Trinity Psalter hymnal, to page 879. 
page 879 in the back of the Trinity Psalter hymnal. This is the uh, Heidelberg Catechism, and this morning we're going to read the question and answers for Lord's Day 18. We'll read these four questions and answers for Lord's Day 18. Question 46, what do you mean by saying he ascended to heaven? The answer given that Christ, while his disciples watched, was taken up from the earth into heaven and remains there on our behalf until he come, comes again to judge the living and the dead. Question 47, but isn't Christ with us until the end of the world as he promised us? Christ is true man and true God. In his human nature, Christ is not now on earth, but in his divinity, majesty, grace, and spirit, he is never absent from us. Question 48. If his humanity is not present wherever his divinity is, then aren't the two natures of Christ separated from each other? Certainly not. Since divinity is not limited and is present everywhere, it is evident that Christ's divinity is surely beyond the bounds of his humanity that, has, that he has taken on. But at the same time, his divinity is in and remains personally united to his humanity. And then finally, question 49. How does Christ's ascension to heaven benefit us? First, he is our advocate in heaven in the presence of his Father. Second, we have our own flesh in heaven as a sure pledge that Christ our head will also take us, his members, up to himself. Third, he sends his spirit to us on earth as a corresponding pledge. By the spirit's power we seek not earthly things, but the things above, where Christ is sitting at God's right hand. Well, I have to say, I have been looking forward uh, to this morning. Um, we've had, for the past two months, a number of wonderful things going on in our church. I think back to December, we had our Advent series, and then we had our candlelight service at night, and then it was Christmas service, and then it was New Year's Eve service, and then I was out of the pulpit for a couple weeks because I was sick, and then I was back again, and then it was out for Mission Emphasis Week, and then it was back again. And today, I get to get back to my regular schedule. I get to get back to preaching every Lord's Day. And if you know me, you know I love my schedule and I love regularity. So I've been looking forward to today, to getting back to things as normal. And part of getting back to things as normal is that in our morning worship services, we regularly study the Word of God as it's summarized for us in the Heidelberg Catechism. Now, we left off of that before December and everything following there. We're going to return now to that series on, on the ministry of the life of Jesus. Before we took our break, we talked about the fact that Jesus left the glory of heaven to come down to earth. He took on flesh. He was born of the Virgin Mary. We talked about the fact that throughout his life, it was a life of suffering. And it ended with his crucifixion on the cross. But of course we know that that was not the end. Jesus Christ rose from the grave and, and as our series left off, we celebrated his resurrection. 
Now, today we're going to pick up on his ongoing ministry by talking about his ascension. I think we have to admit uh, the ascension is certainly not as well known, the story not as well known, as the stories of uh, his birth or of his death and resurrection. Perhaps that is because uh, in the Gospels, neither Matthew nor John mention the ascension. Mark, the Gospel of Mark, gives us one sentence about the ascension. Luke, in his Gospel, doubles that to two sentences about the ascension. But it's not until Luke writes in Acts that we get the fuller story of the ascension and what it means for us. And so perhaps, perhaps some of this is, is a reminder, perhaps some of this is new. What, why is it so important that we recognize the ascension of Jesus Christ? It is a blessing for us as believers. His ministry continues. He has left the earth, he has gone to heaven, but he ascended for his own. He ascended for believers, and we are the recipients of the blessings he continues to provide. The first thing we have to recognize is that Jesus actually did ascend. That's where our confession begins. What do you mean by saying he ascended to heaven? That Christ, while his disciples watched, was taken up from earth into heaven. He is no longer with us physically. He has changed the location of his ministry. Previous to this, his ministry was on earth. Before his crucifixion, a ministry on earth. After his resurrection, a ministry on earth. But now the location of his ministry has changed. He has returned back to heaven. I say it's a a change in location. It is not a change in Christ himself. There are some people that suggest that the ascension undoes the incarnation. In the incarnation, Christ, who was spirit, took on flesh and came down to earth. And there are some who suggest in the ascension, Christ, who is fleshly, now returns to heaven and becomes only spirit again. But it is a change in location, not a change in Christ. Christ is physically, bodily, in heaven. The incarnation was not a temporary state for his 30-some years here on earth. The incarnation is a permanent state. And we will see why that is so important and the blessing that that is for us. He is there, our confession says, and he will remain there on our behalf. Jesus remains in heaven on our behalf. What is Jesus doing right now, children? He's in heaven. What do you suppose he's doing? Well, the Gospel of John actually tells us. If we go back to chapter 14, Jesus speaks to his disciples. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. 
If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. What is Jesus doing right now, children? He's preparing a place for us. Preparing a place for each and every one of his own in his Father's house. Preparing to receive us when it is our time to once again join him. He's not just sitting there inactive, but Jesus is preparing. Preparing for believers. And our confession says, He's there on our behalf until he comes again to judge the living and the dead. He will return. In the the story in Acts, uh, the men are told, as you saw him go, so you'll see him return on the clouds of heaven. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. He is physically absent from us. But if that's true, what about all the promises he made? I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Lo, I am with you always, to the end of the age. What about those promises? Our confession addresses that. Question 47. But isn't Christ with us until the end of the world as he promised us? Christ is true man and true God in his human nature. Christ is not now on earth, physically absent. But in his divinity, majesty, grace, and spirit... He is never absent from us. Physically absent, spiritually present. He is never absent for a moment. Every day, by the power of His Spirit, Christ is with us. On our good days, when things are going well, Christ is with us. On our bad days, when we're frustrated, Christ is still with us, never absent for a moment. He's with us all day, from the time we get up to the time we go to sleep and throughout the night. Christ spiritually present with his people. He is there in his divinity, majesty, grace, and spirit. Christ with us in his majesty. As right now, he rules over all things in heaven and on earth. His majesty as king of kings and lord of lords. We see that rule expressed in the various areas of life. Christ's kingship over all creation. He is with us through his majesty. He is with us through his grace. God's grace continues to us, his people. When we look at our lives, and we look at our sin, and we look at how we live, and yet we know that for the sake of Jesus Christ, God does forgive us. He is with us in His grace. Jesus Christ's grace and the assurance we have that all of our sins are taken away. Yes, He is with us always, even to the close of the age. Physically absent, but spiritually present. And when we think about the ascension, it's easy for us to say, well, that must have been wonderful for Jesus. I mean, that must have been really great for Jesus. Because he had been in heaven with God for all eternity. Then for a little while, he was down on earth again. And now he gets to go back home. Now he gets to go back to heaven again. And I'm sure it was a wonderful thing for Jesus. But the blessings of the ascension, 
were not for Jesus only. The blessings of the ascension are for us as well. And this is the beautiful part of Lord's Day 18 in question 49. As the Catechism so often asks, how does this truth benefit you? How does Christ's ascension to heaven benefit us? And our confession gives us three benefits, three blessings that we enjoy. First, he is our advocate in heaven in the presence of his Father. Jesus is our advocate. He is in heaven pleading, praying for us. Now, Jesus prayed for believers before he left. We have that prayer in John 17, a beautiful prayer where Jesus prays for those who are his own. Look at verse 9. I am praying for them, speaking of believers, I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world. Jesus going back to heaven, the ascension. But they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one. Jesus Christ praying for us in the presence of his Father. In heaven, he is there interceding for us, his children, for us who are believers. He's praying for our protection. He's praying for our blessing. When we are concerned, when we are anxious, when we are afraid about what's going on around us, we know that Jesus is in heaven interceding, pleading for us. We have an advocate in the presence of the Father. When we are alone, when we are lonely, when we wonder if there's anyone who is concerned about us, Jesus Christ is pleading for us in the presence of his Father, that we might know the joy of his presence. When we are depressed, when we are anxious, we have one who pleads to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ the righteous. Jesus is interceding. He is advocating for you in the presence of the Father. What a blessing. That's a blessing for believers. Look at verse 12. While I, was on, while I was with them, he was on earth, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. What Jesus is saying is, while they were on earth, I was taking care of them. Now, Father, I'm going back to you. You need to take care of them. You need to watch over them and bless them. And our Father knows us. Our Father knows what we need. And he'll provide what we need when we need it. And we can take refuge in that. It doesn't mean the Father will give us all that we want, but he will give us our needs. Sometimes we wonder, we pray for something, we pray for something, we pray for something, and God doesn't seem to answer our prayer, or He is saying no to our prayer, and we say, God, but this would be so good for me. The Father knows better than we do. The Father knows what we need. In fact, in fact sometimes we have to pray, God, protect us from ourselves, because we think we know better than you do. But we confess, you are Father, and you do know what is best for us. He is pleading with the Father on our behalf. Our confession says, secondly, we have our own flesh 
in heaven as a sure pledge that Christ our head will also take us, his members, to himself. We have our own flesh in heaven. Look at verse uh, 24. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be where I am. We have our own flesh in heaven, Jesus Christ, and his desire is that we would be where he is. That's his prayer on our behalf. And we know, as I said earlier, that he is there bodily, he is there physically. Sometimes we say, how is it possible that, that we can uh, take our loved one, we can place them in the ground, and how are they with the Lord? How will they once again be with the Lord? How will this body that will decay to dust be raised again? While we can't answer all the specific questions, we know it is true because Jesus Christ is physically, bodily in the presence of his Father. And for all who are in him, we will have that same reality. I desire that they will be where I am. Jesus returns incarnate into heaven, and we can know that our bodies will not be left in the ground. We, too, will experience that glorious resurrection. We have the hope of that. We have the hope of that when we stand at the graveside, when we lay a loved one to rest. We know this is not the end, but they, too, will be bodily raised to be with the Lord. Jesus says, I desire, I want them to be where I am. This blessing is for those who are His, for those who are His own. It is not a universal blessing for everyone. Jesus says, I'm praying for believers. I'm not praying for the world. This blessing, this assurance, this hope is for those who are found in Christ Jesus. And so He calls you once again today to put your faith, put your hope, put your trust in Him. If you are still living for yourself, if you're not recognizing the, 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 the ascension of Christ that he ascended for you, then you're living on your own. And you have no hope. Our only hope is found in putting our faith and our trust in him. Jesus calls us today to trust in him as the ascended Savior. And then finally, our confession says, third, he sends his spirit to us on earth as a corresponding pledge by the Spirit's power, we seek not earthly things, but the things above, where Christ is sitting at God's right hand. He sends his Spirit as a corresponding pledge. Verse 13, we read this, But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Jesus sends his spirit as, an, as a corresponding pledge. He returns to heaven and yet sends his spirit here on earth. And that Spirit continues the work that Christ has given him to do, that work of sanctification. Sanctify them, Jesus prays, in the truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify them that they might conform their lives more and more to the truth given to us in your holy word. 
And so that is our prayer as well, that God might use his Holy Spirit to change our lives, to change our hearts, to change our ways, to sanctify us in the truth, the truth of God's word. Knowing that Jesus himself is interceding on our our behalf, that he is physically, bodily preparing a place for us. We say, "How, how how can we thank him for this glorious gift? And the Holy Spirit works in us. He sanctifies our hearts. He sanctifies our lives. That we begin, small beginning, we begin to live according to the word of God. We set our minds on things above, not being dragged down by earthly things. Now certainly we labor here on earth, we live here on earth, but our hope, our hope is in heaven. This this is not the end of things. This world is not the end. But there's a glorious eternity that awaits every one of God's children a glorious eternity for those who know the truth of the ascension, that Jesus Christ is is interceding for you. He is advocating on your behalf. He is right now preparing that place for you. And He, by the power of His Spirit, is calling you to, to work out that process of sanctification. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is true that God's Word might take preeminence, might take first place in our lives, and more and more we conform ourselves to to the call, to the direction of our ascended Savior. Yes, Jesus Christ ascended. Not only, not only to return back to heaven, Jesus Christ ascended for believers, and we are the recipients of that glorious blessing. Let's join together in prayer. Lord God, we thank you, we praise you for the work of your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for his birth. We thank you for his life. We thank you for his atoning death and his glorious resurrection. And we thank you and we praise you that he ascended back into heaven and that as a benefit for us. May we, O God, never cease to thank you for all the blessings we enjoy because of the ministry of Christ. And may we, in in loving thankfulness, see that work of your Spirit in us, that you would sanctify us by the power of your word, which is truth. Hear our prayer, O God, for Jesus' sake. Amen.